Well, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and risen Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. This week we are continuing our series on the God I Never Knew. It's a series on the Holy Spirit. And last week we learned a lot about the basics of the Holy Spirit, who the Holy Spirit was and how Jesus in the Gospel of John tagged the Holy Spirit into our very lives. Now this whole spirit, Holy Spirit thing can be very confusing, especially for us Lutherans. Now the Holy Spirit can conjure up images of people speaking in different tongues, people rolling around on the floor, or even having snakes bite them. Now, this is some of our ideas about how we view the Holy Spirit working in other people's lives. So it's no wonder that we as Lutherans are like, nope, I'm good with Jesus. That Holy Spirit thing can, it's just a little too unsettling for me. We tell the Holy Spirit, don't call us, we'll call you. Because doesn't that sound a lot safer? But you know that what you don't know can't help you. I think we as Lutherans have been missing out on something. For you see, if you remember from last week, the Holy Spirit doesn't show up on its own, trying to butt in on our own business. So I'd like you to pull out your Bible, which is one of those black books in front of you, or if you have a Bible app on your phone, you can pull that out as well. And we're going to be going to John chapter 14, verses 15 through 17, which can be found on page 877 of your pew Bibles. And as you're getting there, let me give you a little context again for this verse. This, is right, this, is, this text is happening right before Jesus heads to the cross. Again, that's on 877. And Jesus is giving his disciples some last-minute advice before the chaos and turmoil of Holy Week begins. And this is what Jesus says to them, verse 15. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, who will give you another advocate, to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept the Holy Spirit because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know the Holy Spirit, for he lives with you and will be in you. Now, a couple of these things from this passage. In verse 16, you see the word advocate used. And the Greek word is paraclete. Not parakeet, but paraclete. In our version of the Bible, it has been translated as advocate. It can also be translated as helper. Now, paraclete is a compound Greek word that is made up of the word para, which means to accompany or walk alongside. Just think of all the paraprofessionals that you know at school who walk alongside our kids during the day, or a paralegal whose job is to work alongside the lawyer. They're actually the ones who do all the work. Uh, the second word is kletos, which means to be called to or assigned to a project. We know that Jesus is constantly telling us that he won't abandon us and that Jesus will be with us. So what Jesus is telling us in verse 16 makes sense, right? Because it fits with everything that Jesus has said up to now, as well as how Jesus has acted up until now. So Jesus is leaving us a helper. Well, actually, it's more than that. Let's see what it works in verse 17 again. The world cannot accept the Holy Spirit because it neither sees the Holy Spirit nor knows the Holy Spirit. But you know the Holy Spirit, for the Holy Spirit lives with you and will be in you. We talked about this a little last week, that the Holy Spirit has been around since creation and is not just beside you, it is in you. I know we talked about this last week, but I think it bears repeating because I don't think we really get it as Lutherans. 
So I'm going to keep up with our gymnastics. So let's turn back to the beginning of your Bible, again, to Genesis 1-1, which is ironically, guess what, is on page 1 of your Bible. And as you're turning there, I just want to remind you that this part of the Genesis talks about the creation story. It talks about the universe being formed, of, of being formed like the sun and stars, being birthed into creation, as well as life on earth. And I know for, for myself, as I normally read this text, having been a chemistry major in school, I tend to see God wearing a white lab coat and some funny-looking goggles as God goes around creating the universe. However, another pastor that I know said, what if God was really a cook? And not just any cook, but more like the famous cook, Emerald Lagasse. Have any of you ever watched Emerald cook before? Well, he had a catchphrase that he liked to use. Does anybody remember it? Bam, there we go. All right. So, so let's see how this creative culinary chef that is God would work. So let's look at the text again. And when I point to you all, I want you to shout out, bam. I know it's hard in the Lutheran church, but we got to get you, since you came this morning, we're giving you the whole two barrels today. So, in the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. In verse 6, God said, let there be sky, and and yes, there was sky, and then God said, there, let there be dry ground, and then God said, let there be sun, Bam. moon, Bam. verse 20, let there be birds, Bam. fish, Bam. and everybody's favorite barnyard animal, cattle. Bam. And then we finally get to us. So turn to the next page of your Bible, and you might have highlighted this last week, but if you didn't, take a look at chapter 2, verse Seven. It's actually seven, not five. But I, I gave um, Cindy the right verse to read. And it says, Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and that man became a living being. One of the things we didn't talk about last week was the word to breathe. In both Hebrew and Greek, the word breathe and spirit are the same word. So if you're curious, the Hebrew word is ruach. So say it with me, ruah. ruah. And the Greek word is, I got to remember to say it, pneumo. Pneumo. I always think of pneumothorax, and all of our nurses and medical people know what those are. Now, have you ever thought there is a connection between our breath and God's spirit? And I wonder if God wanted us to see something in this today. Breath and spirit, spirit and breath. Does God want us to see them as equally essential to our existence? We know that if we lose our breath, we lose our life. But do we feel the same thing with the Holy Spirit in our life? Do we see the connection that God wants us to see? It reminds me of a story I've heard about a pastor and a young man in his congregation. After service one day, a young man came up to the pastor and said he would like to experience physically more God's presence more in his life. And he asked the pastor if he could do that. And the pastor said, sure, that would be fine. So he told him to meet him at, after lunch down at the river. So the young man went home, had some lunch, then drove down to the river. 
And when he got there, he saw the pastor already entering the water. So the young man took his shoes off and followed the pastor into the water. And as they got deeper into the water, the young man reminded the pastor, hey, I've already been baptized. We don't need to do that. And when they got about chest deep, the pastor turned back to the young man and asked again, do you want to physically experience what it would be like to have God's presence more fully in your life? That's the question you asked me. Is that what you really want to do? And the young man said very confidently, yes, I want to do that. So the pastor then dove the young man's head under the water. Now, the young man was pretty surprised at this, but he thought it was some kind of Mr. Miyagi moment. You know, he's going to have some real big experience here. So the young man waited underwater. A minute went by. Nothing happened. Another minute went by, and then the young man's chest started to burn. His throat seemed to be tightening up. And he started to worry that something wasn't right. Another minute went by, and the young man started to struggle. But the pastor kept him under the water. The young man was now breathless. He began to think that he wasn't going to be able to ever come up for air again, and he even started to lose hope. It was at this moment that the pastor released him, and the young man shot up straight to the surface, and as soon as the young man was free from the water's depths, he took in a deep breath, allowing oxygen to fill every corner of his starving lung tissue. And there he stayed for several minutes, heaving and breathing deeply. It took him a couple of moments to get his senses back, and when his vision cleared, he turned to the pastor and said, Are you nuts? You could have killed me! The pastor didn't say anything. A few moments later, the young man's heart rate returned back to normal, and his breathing was normal as well, too. Seeing this, the pastor broke his silence. The pastor asked, or said, you asked me how you could physically experience the presence of God more in your life. And the young man replied, I didn't mean this. The pastor continued, you remember a few short moments ago when you were under the water and desperately looking to take a breath. Yeah, I remember, the young man shot back. But this experience shows you that when you look and desire God's presence in your life just as you did with the air you needed to breathe, then you will know that you have found what you're looking for. When you want God's presence with the same intensity as you want to breathe, then you experience God in new ways, in radical ways. And God's spirit will be as close to you as your next breath. The question the story raises in us isn't whether the Holy Spirit is there, but are we aware that the Holy Spirit is there? I think this is something as Lutherans that we are not aware of. The Holy Spirit is here with us today. The Holy Spirit is here. The Holy Spirit wants to help. No, the Holy Spirit is calling us so that the Holy Spirit can help us. The Holy Spirit is saying, hi, I'm here. You're not alone. I'm here to help. You know that broken relationship you're trying to figure out what to do with? Are you listening? Hi, I'm here. You're not alone. I'm here to help. Or maybe there's some healing you need, whether it be physically, emotionally, or spiritually. And you don't want to dive in because you know how messy it's going to be doing it by yourself. But there's that voice again. Hi, here I am. 
You're not alone. I'm here to help. Maybe you're wondering why you have come to church again. Because God has let you down, or maybe God's people have. And there's that little voice again that we hear. Hi, here I am. You're not alone. I'm here to help. What is stopping you today from getting the help that you have been crying out for, the help that you desperately need? What about today, if you took some time and quieted the noise that was going on around you? What if today you said, hey, Holy Spirit, I need some help. Can you help me? What if today, when you breathed, that you realized that God is as close to you as your breath? Well, what's stopping you? Because the Holy Spirit today is telling every one of us, Hi, here I am. You're not alone. I'm here to help. How will you respond? Amen.